Hello, and thanks for tuning into Iowa City Matters. This podcast is aimed at tackling complex topics that impact and showcase our unique community, and today we are going to be talking about public transportation. My name is Emily Bothell. I'm the Senior Transportation Engineering Planner for the Metropolitan Planning Organization of Johnson County, or MPOJC. For those of you who do not know what the MPO is, we're the planning organization for the Iowa City Metro, and we provide assistance to member agencies in primarily transportation planning. Some of the things we assist with are data collection and traffic analyses, bike and pedestrian planning, and transit planning, to name a few things. Our nation has a rich history of public transportation, ranging from subways to streetcars, and here in Iowa City, our modern-day form of public transportation is made up of a web of bus routes. Operating the transit system in our community, which not only includes Iowa City, but also Coralville, North Liberty, University Heights, and the University of Iowa, requires a great deal of organizing and planning. In this episode, we're going to break down the role of public transportation in our community and explain how more people can utilize this service. Here to help me delve into this topic is our panel. Darian Nagel-Gam is the Director of Transportation Services for the City of Iowa City. To break ground on the conversation, I was wondering if you could recall the first time you used public transportation. I would be happy to. Um, It's actually pretty memorable for me because I was in sixth grade and I grew up in the Waterloo metro area, um, actually a suburb in Evansdale. And I, with a couple friends of mine, we decided, as you did back in the 80s, we wanted to go to the mall. And the only way that we could get there was to figure out how to take the bus and the bus system. And we did, and I can tell you, we felt an incredible sense of independence from figuring out the transit system and getting ourselves there. It was the first time that we had done it without our parents. So I had a very memorable first experience. And then I would say the next time I, you know, started to use trans on a regular basis is when I moved to Iowa City and I would use the CAN bus system as a university student. Wonderful. Thanks, Darian. We also have Kelly Schneider, who is the Johnson County Mobility Coordinator. Kelly, same question. When was your first time taking the bus? My first bus trip that makes an impression is when I was in high school and we did a 18 to 20 hour bus trip down to Florida for a choir trip. So overnight on a charter bus. Public transit, my first experience was actually pretty more recent. About five or six years ago, I was um, working with an individual that had a brain injury who had just become eligible for paratransit. And he and I rode the paratransit bus from his house in Iowa City to the record collector and back. So that was a good time for us. Awesome. Thank you, Kelly. Lastly, Brian McClatchy is also with us today. Brian works specifically with the University of Iowa's transportation system called CANBUS, where he is the CANBUS manager. When did you first experience public transportation, Brian? Well, I'm older, so it's a little more difficult for me to recall that. But I grew up in small town Iowa, so I didn't grow up around public transit. Um, It was also, when I was younger, you didn't have the federal funding that you do of public transit like you do now, so it wasn't as prevalent back then. So actually my first memory of riding public transit is when I came to the University of Iowa as a student and I got on the wrong CAM bus and and, uh, that was my first adventure in, in riding and figuring out public transit. I think that has happened to many of us, getting on the wrong CAM bus and going all the way around the opposite direction. (laughs) Yeah, we tell everybody, um, you know, that's the best way to learn the system is you get on the wrong bus. But but don't worry, it'll always come back. So it won't leave you off in the middle of nowhere. There you go. (laughs) Reliable. (laughs) 
To start, I'd like our panelists to define public transit. Many listeners may not know there is a fixed route transit service and paratransit demand service. Darian, would you be able to start us off? Sure. Public transit is often referred to as the bus system. I think that's what most people know it by. And, you know, it's a fixed route system. And what that means is that there's designated routes and there's designated stops, which you can find by signs. And there's a set schedule for the buses to arrive and depart from those stops. So in Iowa City, for example, we have 21 different routes across the city, different um, routes that we serve on a fixed route basis. Now, we also offer complimentary paratransit service using what's called demand response service. Now, those are for folks who can't board, ride, or use our typical fixed route services due to their disability. So a demand response service is when they call in and they schedule a ride. And usually you have a smaller type of transit vehicle that picks them up. So those are both publicly funded, publicly available transportation services in our community. Kelly or Brian, anything to add on that? I would just add, you know, when, if you ask people what is public transit, they'll just say the bus. Mm-hmm. In Hawaii, that's actually what they call their transit system, the bus. And really what it is is mobility and access. It's transportation, you know, that's publicly provided. And again, like Darian mentioned, uh, you know, what has really expanded over time was the demand response services for uh you know, people with disabilities, which is a more specific type of service. But so public transit is really the bus. I think I'd add from my perspective, public transit is a service to the people, which they can use at low or no cost. Darian and Ryan obviously represent the fixed route, a couple of fixed route systems in our area. We also have Coralville Transit fixed route system. And then Johnson County Seeds provides demand response systems or services to the rural Johnson County areas that live outside of Iowa City, Coralville, University Heights, and North Liberty. And then we've got the Bionic Bus. Yes, yes, the Bionic Bus. And then I was going to add the new 380 Express Bus is a oh. inner city service that connects Cedar Rapids and Iowa City. Okay. And so that, that leads into my next question in talking about limited mobility. What options are available in terms of transit? And Darian talked about the demand response service. We talk about Bionic Bus. What other options are there? Are there any other options available within Johnson County? Well, the other thing, I guess, uh, I'll just mention real quickly, and then Kelly, that's yeah. that's kind of her bailiwick here, so well, she, she can expand on that. But all fixed-route buses are accessible now, so they do have the ability to use fixed-route transit as well, as well as the complementary services that Kelly can expand upon. Yeah, so the ADA paratransit is obviously the door-to-door service that's going to be accessible. SEATS actually uses the same buses to provide those rural demand response services, so as an added bonus, those are also accessible. In fact, most of the fixed route buses in the area are kneeling buses, which makes it nice so there's no stairs between getting on the bus and the ground. And then the 380 bus is also accessible, so anything public transit in our area is accessible. It's a matter of can the person get to the bus stop, and if they can't, that's where paratransit comes into play. Okay. If I just jump in real quickly, the ADA was transformative for public transportation. It was moving in the accessibility direction, but the ADA really mandated it and and pushed things along and created standards and and, and really kind of revolutionized the access on public transit vehicles. That's a good point because with paratransit, the same time that the fixed route buses are running, paratransit must be offered at the same time. So if CAM bus is running till midnight, so is the Bionic bus. It's all very good information. 
So why should someone use public transit, and what are the potential financial and environmental implications for both the rider and the communities served? There's, there's many great reasons to use transit, but uh, a few that come to mind first and foremost, it's, it's a low-cost way for residents and visitors to get around town and, and to just give you a sense of, of what that means. So our fares are only $1 per ride, but if you buy monthly passes for a year, if you bought them every month for a year, your total cost would be $384 for all of your transportation needs. Now, if you compare that to the $9,000 that it costs on average to have and maintain and equip and fuel a personal vehicle, that's a 95% cost difference. So it's it's pretty dramatic. You know, low cost is the first thing that comes to mind, but it also, you know, provides personal mobility and freedom. It ensures that that is available for all um, residents and visitors in a community, especially for those who don't have access to personal vehicles. Another thing that comes to mind, too, is our transit system. From Iowa City's perspective, I would venture to guess that it's mostly commuters, people getting to and from work, so it's an important connection. From an environmental perspective, which is something that our community cares a lot about, um, you know, we have a climate action plan that's been adopted by our city council. You know, people riding the bus versus using a single occupant automobile, which is a favorite method of transportation in the area, you know, using the bus reduces congestion, it reduces demand on our roadways. For every one of those buses that you see in front of you during a peak hour of travel, that's likely 40 less cars that you would have in front of you otherwise. So it reduces the demand on the roadway, which of course also reduces pollution and greenhouse gas emissions that lead to climate change. So that's that's something that we're very cognizant of in Iowa City. And I think you know people across the, the country are beginning to realize that the transportation contribution to climate change is something that we have within our control. So promoting transit is a way to, to reduce that. It's something that the community is getting behind. And last but not least, one last point is I think it's it's really great to use transit as a way to provide some activity in your transportation options. So walking and biking, these are all healthier ways to get around town. It's not always feasible due to distance between where we live or the things that we want to do, but taking transit is a form of active transportation. It usually begins and ends with walking, and you know it's a perfect way to get your steps in. She covered that very well. I, I would just add that, you know, why should you use public transit and how do people most make a decision on that? There are the environmental benefits of people using public transit, but most people are going to look at, does it make sense to me? Mm-hmm. And it is. It's a way to avoid congestion, to avoid parking, to avoid having to drive your car in, in difficult traffic conditions or weather conditions. And and also, it is a way to save a lot of money. But the service does have to be designed to where it makes sense for people. It needs to be convenient enough for people. And and that's kind of our challenge as, as transit providers is to really try to meet the needs of the users rather than make them fit how the bus system is designed. But for most people, they're, they're making decisions on to use the bus. Does it make sense for me? So to your point about convenience, Brian, can both you and Darian maybe elaborate that on a little bit? In your time with the transit agencies, does that mean it's convenient if a bus stop is within a half mile from where someone lives, or does it need to be a shorter distance in order for them to feel as though it's better or easier than taking their private vehicle? Uh, I think probably the primary thing when it comes down to convenience is is frequency of service. 
Now, if you're riding, if you're commuting, you're going to work in the morning and you come back at home, um, you can really kind of plan your day around that. But if you're using it for other activities in your life as well, a lot of times what will make people's decision whether or not to take the bus is how often does it come by. I think the distance can have an impact, but I think much less so than just frequency. All right. Darian, do you have anything to add? I would I would echo okay. Brian's comments, especially about frequency. Um, if we were to design a perfect transit system, I think we would have, with unlimited funds, of course, <laughs> because that's <laughs> what it would require, but we would have buses on our fixed route systems that came every 5, 10, 15 minutes so that people don't have to think about when the bus is coming. They just know there's a stop. They go to the stop. A bus comes by and picks <clears> them up. That would be the ultimate ideal scenario, sure. but unfortunately, we're working in a system where we have limited resources and limited funds. So we're always seeking ways that we can improve that frequency and that coverage of the metro area. Those are the kind of the two indicators that we look at, but there's there's always a balance with what resources we have mm-hmm. to fall back on. Great. So in what ways does each of your agencies educate the community about public transit? I know that Iowa City offered free bus rides on the last election day to not only get people to the polls, but to get people familiar with the transit system, routes and stops. Are there other ways that um, you're trying to promote transit and then also educate the public? One quick comment. Cambus always provides free rides on the bus. So. <laughs> <laughs> they that, do. That's one way to encourage people <laughs> to give it a try. I can touch on this one, considering my position is very much so dedicated towards providing education. Um, as the mobility coordinator, I'm very flexible in how I provide my services, whether I'm reaching people one-on-one or able to connect with people in groups. But my overall goal is always to ease that anxiety of riding the bus and make sure people are comfortable doing so. I think the question before that, Darian and Brian spoke a lot about commuters or students and uh, the populations that I dedicate my time towards. They're riding the bus because they need to maintain a life outside of poverty. So accessing health care, food sources, employment, education is something that they depend on the transit systems to be able to do. So some of the different things I do as far as providing education, I have a couple of stories here. I had a North Liberty resident ride his bike to my office at the public health building a few months ago when it was colder, and he came in to tell me that he had uh, missed several of his medical appointments and he wanted to ask me what his his options were for getting to his medical appointment. So together we discovered that he was on the Medicaid program. So we came back to my office and we called non-emergency medical transportation and booked him a ride to his next appointment so we didn't have to miss that or ride his bike there. We also pulled up the CAN bus research park route and identified where he could board that bus so that he didn't have to ride his bike all the way down to South Iowa City the next time. So he knows that he can get his bike on the bus and do that. Another effort I do is connecting with individuals at the shelter house. So I come in in the mornings and do outreach with those that are looking for employment. Shelter house provides a laptop for them to use when they're looking for employment. And a lot of times they may be from a different area or new to the area for whatever reason. And I can kind of help them say, okay, the job that you're looking at is located here. Let's pull up Google Maps and see what transit options exist to get you there. So they can kind of learn on spot how to use that technology. 
and then they can come to wherever they need to go and pull that up any time they have access to that. Um, I also do a lot of different group things. So this summer, um, talking about how riding transit helps you meet your physical requirement for your daily physical activity. I'm going to be taking groups of seniors on the bus this summer to different places to eat around town. So the idea is to get seniors comfortable with riding the bus and take advantage of some of the discounted programs that Iowa City Transit offers and teach them that it can be really fun. So it will be a good opportunity for them to socialize and then kind of learn on spot how to do that. Also this summer I'll be working with the YES group, which is Youth Empowerment to Serve. It's teens that do a summer-long program where they learn employment skills. So during their orientation, they're going to learn about transportation. And I think we're going to work a practice trip into that because, as we know, trial and error, getting on the bus is kind of the best way to learn. Mm-hmm. So. so with that, um, can you explain a little bit about transit training and what your role is and what you've done in the last year or so? Yeah, so transit training is basically training an individual or a group to become comfortable and familiar to ride public transit independently. So some of these examples that I've listed ahead of time were either one-on-one or group training. Again, I'm very flexible on how I provide those services. Each rider has different needs. They have a different address. They have a different destination they want to go to and a different time of the day. I really create that education based off what concepts they need to learn to become independent riders. So somebody that's interested in learning how to ride the bus or has any questions about transportation at all can reach out to me as the mobility coordinator. I'm definitely a service that can be available to help. Great, great. I just wanted to touch on that a bit since you were talking about... Right, kind um, of fits in. Yes, yeah. yes. So that also leads us um, right into a discussion about each individual transit agency. Historically, there have been three public transit agencies in the Iowa City metro, and currently the three transit agencies are Iowa City Transit, Coralville Transit, and the University of Iowa CAMBUS. Between these three transit agencies, there were over 5.7 million rides in fiscal year 18, which was the second highest in the state. So I want to give listeners more information about University of Iowa CAMBUS and Iowa City Transit. And unfortunately, we don't have a representative here with us from Coralville Transit. But if you're interested in finding out more information about Coralville Transit, you can visit their website at coralville.org transit. So, Brian, to get us started, can you tell us a little more about CAMBUS and what the difference is between the University of Iowa CAMBUS and Iowa City Transit? Oh, more different color. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good good thing to know. Good indicator. Um, (laughs) The the evolution of public transit here in town, you know, they passed the Urban Mass Transportation Administration Act in, uh, it was like 1974, and that was the first time they provided public funding for public transit. Pretty much prior to that, it was privately operated transit systems, and what evolved over time, especially with the evolution of the cars, was that it did not become a profitable business anymore, and so nationally, they realized it needed some public funding for it. Here in town, you had, I'm not sure when Coralville Transit got going, but all three systems went public about the same time. Iowa City and, and Coralville, I think about 1970 or around 1972. Um, Canvas origins go back to about 1972. So the three systems really evolved around a very close time period. And we have very defined service areas, and, you know, we've got 
we've done a good job on, on staying coordinated here over the years. But where CAMBUS really evolved from was the University of Iowa students. We've got this little river that goes right through the middle of campus. Um, we've got these things called winters. And it really evolved out of you know a fairly large campus to walk, especially during inclement times. Also, you know, scheduling classes when you have like 10 minutes between classes is limiting. So it was really an initiative by students. Uh, it was student government and, and association of residence halls approached the, the university administration and said, hey, could we try a campus bus system? Like the president during the time of Sandy Boyd, he was very supportive of that. Campus started out as an experiment. They, they got some used school buses, I believe, and thought, well, let's try this first semester. And it was highly successful, more so than anybody anticipated. So from there, it's kind of like, hey, we got something here. How do we move forward? The administration was very supportive, and, and also the students agreed to help fund it with a student fee. And then about 74, some federal funding came along, which really enabled, you know, to move towards purchasing new, newer vehicles. And so that's really where uh, CAMBUS evolved. CAMBUS' service area is the University of Iowa campus and university facilities. So essentially what I've always said is, like, Iowa City and Coralville bring people to and from campus, and, and CAMBUS takes people around campus. The primary riders are students, um, you know, but there is a very significant staff component, especially from the, the commuter lots and, and especially for University of Iowa hospitals and clinics. Downtown and the main campus becomes very dense during the day, and, and so there's a lot of people that are coming in and need to access to and from the campus. So it's probably about 70-30. And so, Darian, Iowa City recently got 11 new buses, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what features do these new buses have? And then also, who's the primary rider, or do you have an idea of that? Yes, so we have gotten 11 new buses. You got the number correct. Um, within the last year, which is very exciting, and it turned over nearly half of our fleet, and the most noticeable difference to the to public is it's got a very new paint scheme. So our previous buses were gray with maybe a subtle accents, and we've taken those accent colors and we've made them the focal point. So the new buses that we have look much more, I think, cheerful and inviting, and quite frankly, they make me smile. So <laughs> it's a it's a nice um, it's a nice change, and it's the the old bus style we had had it since the 80s. So it was time for a change. I think time for a refresher. So you can't help but notice the new buses um, when you're around town. Some of the other new features are that the buses all have the kneeling feature that Kelly alluded to earlier. And what that means is the bus just lowers itself all the way to the ground at the door. And that enables people to enter without having to take a step. It's a really nice feature. So all of our buses have that now where they didn't before. Some of the changes are probably more technical than, than a rider might notice, but, um, you know, for example, the engines are more fuel efficient, which, of course, is great for our climate action goals, um, reduces pollution, reduces fuel costs, of course. But some of the other features that passengers might notice is that this, the seats are very bright and colorful, and they're, uh, they're not made of fabric as the, the last seats were, which really helps keep them easier to clean, quite frankly. And I think another thing that riders and the drivers certainly both notice is that there's just a more comfortable ride. You know, our, our buses that we recently retired were 20 years old, so not only did they have age and wear and tear on them, they also had suspension design 20 years ago. So it's, I think the ride is a lot more comfortable. 
And to your question about who the primary riders are on Iowa City Transit, you know, I don't have specific numbers, but I would say that most people are commuters getting to and from work. And since we are such a university-focused campus town, I'd say the majority are probably somehow related to the university students, faculty, staff. We do have a number of other large employers in the area, and we do have transit service that goes to other employers as well. But I would venture to guess the bulk of our riders are university-related. We also have high school students who take some of our routes. We have one route that primarily serves, it's open to the public, but it primarily serves high school students. That's our Eastside Express during when school is in session. So a little bit of everything. If I could jump in here real quick. So I do think the new Iowa City buses look really cool. And I wonder if people might be curious what a bus costs these days. That's a great question, Brian. <laughs> do, you, do you have the answer? Yes, we have the answer because we just purchased 11 of them. <laughs> but um, it, the investment for each new bus is approximately half a million dollars. So it's a $500,000 investment in transportation in the community. So it is a very big deal mm-hmm. to get one bus or two buses but to get as many as we have um, had in the last year, was, it's really a special thing. And then how long do those buses, so they're half a million dollars, how long do they stay in service? Well, that, there's two parts to that. How long do they stay in service and how long <laughs> should they stay in service? Uh, the other thing about the half a million dollar investment, uh, ours aren't quite that much, just 450000 uh, <laughs> It's like I think you can see why the federal transit funding is so integral. That's a, the capital costs are just kind of astounding. When I first started Cam Bus, we bought a new, we bought 15 new buses and really transformed things. They were 150,000 a bus. Um, so you can see how things have uh, really evolved over time. Along with the federal funding, all of our fleets, we have a, they're programmed and there's a programmed useful life and there's some federal standards based on that. The program useful life for a full-size transit bus is 12 years. That's when it actually would become eligible for funding for replacement. But that's when it becomes eligible for funding. And if we receive the funding at that time, we'd still be looking almost two years before we had the new bus in town. So there's 14 years. The way federal funding works, especially in rural states, is has not been real favorable. So that usually gets pushed out three or four more years. So 17 to 20 years is, is pretty common for us how long we have to operate a bus. The other thing about buying new buses, especially after that long a period, and and Darian alluded to this, is you get updated equipment. And the new buses are are, are much different than they were in the past with the electronic system. Um, The the, uh, clean air standards are very much different. So that, that is one big benefit. The other thing with all our buses, they're all low floor now, which is a dramatic improvement for the users in riding buses. The one problem about having to extend how, how long you have to operate buses is not being able to take advantage of, of the advancements in, in the vehicles themselves. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian. So now I, I want to dig a little deeper and discuss how a new user of transit can get started. So say they've never used transit before and um, they listen to this podcast and uh, they are really encouraged to start using transit. We know that riding a bus can be as simple as waiting at the edge of a curb and hopping on, but could each of you provide our listeners with information on where and how to get a transit pass and the associated costs? Um, Brian, I know that for CANBUS the cost is nothing, but if each of you could, could comment on that. Yeah, so both Iowa City and Coralville Transit have a cash fare of a dollar. 
380 Express Bus is $3.75. Seat Paratransit and Rural Demand Response is $2. So these are all one ways. There's also a bunch of different passes. I'll let you kind of talk on those, Darian. But I also need to mention that for somebody that's a new transit rider and is looking for information, contacting the transit system or me as the mobility coordinator is a great way to get started. If you'd like more information, you can call me at 319-356-6090 or check out the mobility coordinator website, which is johnson-county.com backslash mobility. And then on my website, I have an abundance of resources and tools that people can use to explain, okay, if I'm riding from one system to another and I start on an Iowa City bus, but I'm going to end on a CAM bus downtown, I have a map that shows you where those buses pull in at the transfer station. I have a document that talks about all the passes and fares and where you can buy those at, and then talks about all the discounts, resources, all those good things. So definitely starting on that website and then contacting Transit or looking on their websites is a great place to start. I'll jump in before Darian because she'll have a lot of information. But um, I think it's important to point out that the Iowa City community is now on Google Transit. And it's a great place to do trip planning. So you go on Google Transit and here's where I am. Here's where I want to go. It'll actually plot out. And, and you put the time period you want to go, and it'll plot out your whole trip and which, which transit system you should use, which route it is. It's a great tool, uh, and it, it works very well. So as, if you're not familiar at all, the first thing I say, go to Google Transit, put in a trip, and then when you're waiting for your bus, you download the, the Bongo app, which is our local real-time passenger information system, and it'll tell you the location of your bus and, and the approximate arrival time. Thanks, Brian. So, you know, once you've used Google Maps, and actually Google Maps will give you not just one option for transit between location A, wherever you're at, and location B, it will give you multiple options. And it will also allow you, if you say want to walk a few extra blocks, it will also give you some options based on that. So that's that's another great feature. But once you have your origin and destination and you've got some information about what transit routes you should ride, you can come by the parking office at 335 Iowa Avenue, and it's in the Tower Place parking ramp to get a pass. Um, if that's the direction you so choose. Otherwise, of course, you can approach any of our drivers with your dollar fare, and you could pay that way as well. But um, in terms of our passes, Iowa City offers several, more than several probably, passes <laughs> uh, to, to get on the bus. I'm just going to highlight a few. But for starters, we have a 10-ride pass that is discounted to $8.50. Of course, it would be $10 um, if it was full fare. And it's a good starter pass to get comfortable with the transit system. So that's something that you could you could pick up at our parking office. And once you become a super user of transit, you might want to go for the monthly 31-day pass, which is $32, and that gives you unlimited rides all month long. We also have a slightly more discounted 31-day pass for youth at $27. And for those that are income eligible, we do have a low income pass for $17 a month. So that's another option we have. Of course, you can learn all about this by coming into our office or visiting icgov backslash transit or calling our office at 319-351-5151 to get some more information about these passes. We've got a lot of options. Can riders purchase passes online, or are they only able to purchase passes um, at the office? 
I think uh, at this point it's in person or with the driver. Okay. 380 Express Bus, again, the new service that started about six months ago, is using Token Transit app, and they are showing that pretty much all of the riders that are riding that service are using the app. And it's a great way to use your phone, show the driver. You don't have to make an extra trip to transit to pick up the pass. And again, you can buy all those different styles of passes. So their multi-ride or the monthly unlimited pass that they have. Um, And what's great about the app too is if, let's say you want to buy a ticket for your child or somebody, you can send that ticket over the app. So it makes it pretty nice. It's a great feature. And I think they're showing that a lot of riders are really interested in that. So... Yeah, I think we may evolve more away that in, in this community, but you have to come in and get the pass because you need a physical pass. Okay. And, and she did mention it, but they, with the university, and it's through the university parking system, is the U-Pass. Um, and so it's discounted by Iowa City and Coralville Transit, but then also further subsidized by the, the parking system. And it's it, for students, it's you can it's billed to your U bill, and it's so it's ten dollars a month is what the pass is equivalent to. For staff, it'd be fifteen dollars a month, and and that ends up being payroll deduct. So that ends up being really uh, convenient in in that respect as well. And it's so especially with staff, you can get the highly discounted pass if you opt out of a parking permit, a daytime parking permit. So it's that incentive to hey take the bus rather than. Um, bringing your car to campus every day. Mm-hmm. And, and so for the university, when you look at $15 a month versus 60-some dollars for or 100-some in, in a ramp, um, it, it provides a real incentive. Mm-hmm. For sure. So we alluded to this a little earlier, but many users of public transit will combine modes of transportation before and after their bus ride. For example, someone may walk a few blocks before reaching a bus stop or bike to a bus stop. And if someone does choose to bike to a bus stop, what do they do with their bike and can they bring it on the bus and which buses? Well, in Iowa City, (laughs) you can bring your bike with for your transit trip. The bike racks are located on the front of the bus. We have two bike racks on all of our buses. Bikes aren't currently allowed on the actual bus just because that would limit the number of passengers that we could Mm -hmm. have on the bus. But we do have all of our buses outfitted with bike racks. Which Corville Transit does as well. Mm-hmm. Cambus does not, but I think the bike rats get used quite a bit by Iowa City and Corville Transit. For us, with our service area, we have a small service area, and, and if you have a bike, you probably don't need to take the bus. So um, at some of the commuter lots and things like that, there is bike parking where you can park mm-hmm. your bike and, and take the bus and then mm-hmm. come back. The biggest reason CANBUS didn't go to the bike racks was our maintenance facility. We have an older maintenance facility that's we've converted over time, but it was just the space required to put on the, the front of the buses. We would reduce the number of buses. We'd have to park buses outdoors because of the space it takes. And we haven't had many requests uh, expressed uh, about bike racks. Okay. So not only can residents view transit routes and stops online and visit each agency's website for information, but they can also call each agency, as Kelly had mentioned, for assistance in route planning or to get transit training. And once someone does know how to get a pass, where to find their closest route and stop, how would they go about transferring from one transit system to another? 
you can let the driver know as soon as you enter the bus and pay your fare that you plan to transfer and where you plan to transfer to, and they will give you a transfer. And those are free. And you can transfer between buses within the Iowa City system, or you can transfer to Corville as well. An example I can talk about is the 380 Express bus. So again, this route between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City is showing uh, they're meeting their ridership benchmark. So two different Iowa City residents that I helped this last year needed to get from Iowa City to Cedar Rapids for their medical care, both for different reasons. Um, So with both of those residents, I connected them with the Iowa City transit route that they needed to ride to the 380 bus stop. I met them at the 380 bus stop and made sure they got on the 380 bus, sent them up north, and then the mobility coordinator, Terry Bergen, in Lynn County met them at the end of the 380 bus stop at Ground Transportation Center in Cedar Rapids and connected them to the appropriate Cedar Rapids transit route so that they can get to their health care. But then for the seats demand response services, this is a way to connect residents of rural Johnson County to the rest of the county. So we're talking people that live in Tiffin or Solon or Hills, Lone Trees, communities such as that, that need to get to those services, but don't have a fixed route that serves their areas on an ongoing basis. So seats provides the rural demand response services two to three days a week for those residents. We also hear a lot about growth in the metro area. For example, by the year 2045, growth trends indicate that the metro area will grow by 54% or 68,000 people. How are your communities planning for this growth and working to connect one community to the next? That's a lot of people. I think the growth is a real challenge for public transit, and it's going to be a challenge for the communities. Um, one example, you know, North Liberty contracts with Corville. They, they have a, a, a bus that comes to the university as well as downtown Iowa City once in the morning, once at night. And so I think they have some significant ridership on that. But that's one trip in the morning, one trip in the afternoon. We have this transit study that will be happening this next year, and I think that will help us explore some of those questions. But I, really, when you look at our routes and, and the design of the service, if, if if we have expansion and not density, that'll present some real challenges and, and, and be able to design service that can be frequent enough and, and still cover those distances. So with that kind of growth, if we're going to have an adequate public transit in town, it just means expansion of public transit services. So what that will take is just a real commitment from the community. Brian, you're always one step ahead of me. Um, the, <laughs> the next topic and the final topic that we wanted to discuss today was the transit route study. And from what I know, this study is a joint effort, including Iowa City, Coralville, and the University of Iowa Canvas. And because Iowa City is the lead agency, Darian, I was hoping you could talk briefly on what the purpose is of the study and what the timeline is. Sure. And to expand a little bit on what Brian mentioned, Iowa City has grown nearly 58% since the 70s when the transit system was in its infancy, and the metro area has grown 108%. So that just gives you a sense of scale. And over that time, at least from Iowa City's perspective, the community has not undertaken an in-depth review of the entire transit system. So, you know, we've expanded our system to accommodate growth, but we've not really comprehensively reviewed it to ensure the system is optimized. I'm certain that there's some things that are the same as the 70s. For example, the university-centered community, that hasn't changed, but the university itself has changed and our needs as a community has changed. So it's time and the city of Iowa City 
indicated a desire in, in the last year to put forth a an effort to really do a comprehensive operations analysis on our transit system. And because we are so independent, or interdependent, I should say, um, we have three independent agencies, but we work together very closely to ensure our system is coordinated and work together. So we invited Coralville and the University of Iowa to also hop on board and to do this together as one system. So we're looking forward to that. You know, I should say this. Iowa City does, and the metro area does have a really healthy and high-functioning transit system. Not but a few years ago, I believe we were ranked 11th in the nation in terms of metro area ridership per capita. So we're starting from a great place. We have folks here who are knowledgeable about transit, who use transit on a regular basis. But I think there's ways that we can prepare our transit system for the future and really reimagine what that might be. So. We have a, a very lofty goal in Iowa City of doubling transit ridership even over the next 10 years. So we're in the final stages of bringing a consultant on board to get a transit study started so that we can understand what kind of service changes that kind of goal would require and what are the costs associated with it, as Brian alluded to. At the end of the study, we're going to have some decisions that need to be made as to what, what levels of service we want to be able to have for our transit system. So what does that mean in actuality? What are, what are we going to be looking at? Specifically, first and foremost, we're going to be looking at all of our routes and stops. Do they make sense the way they are currently? We're going to take a look at our fares and our passes, and we're going to try to find opportunities to improve connectivity between agencies. We get a lot of feedback about our hours of operation. Um, you know, we're limited in our resources. And our transit system, at least, wraps up at 11 o'clock at night, and we don't have service on Sundays. And those are two specific things we're going to be evaluating in the transit study, is what would it take to expand that service or add service on Sunday. We're going to look at how to improve our on-time performance. I think that's a big customer performance indicator for us. We do have challenges on some routes based on how the routes are designed to keep them on time, and we want to figure out how we can improve that so we're a more reliable system. We're going to look at other things such as mobile ticketing, you know, bus stops and facilities. We're even going to ask the consultants to help us craft a plan to move into an electric future. So what do we need to be prepared for in order to move to an electric bus systems that are zero emissions on site? And you know what might some alternatives to fixed route service be? I think that's an important thing to, to evaluate. So if, if there's areas of town that it doesn't necessarily make sense to put a 40 foot, which is the size of our buses, in those areas, what other alternatives might there be? We're living in a really exciting time in terms of mobility and transportation, and there is an everyday increasing number of transportation options. So we would like to explore some of those options in the transit study. So that's just a, the brief highlight of some of the things we're looking at. But overall, I think it's probably going to take a, probably a good year, solid year, if not a little bit longer, because this is a very deep dive, which is probably why it hasn't been done in the recent past. It's an expensive but really important undertaking that the city council has committed funds to, and, and we're very thrilled about it. I think we'll see the benefits on the end. Both our staff and folks from the public are very excited to, to get this process started. And I, I would just comment briefly, um, Darian covered that very well, but number one is just really appreciate the, uh, the Iowa City Council being willing to take on the, this and, and being willing to fund, you know, this expensive enterprise. 
Darian mentioned it's been a long time since we, we've studied things here in town. Um, what, what's happened over time, I can say that for CAN bus, is we've, it's just incremental growth, and it's incremental growth on top of incremental growth. I think the value in bringing somebody outside is they, they have more of a worldly perspective. They can give us more information of what, what's going on in the industry and other communities. The other thing is when you're working in a kitchen all the time, it's kind of hard to imagine doing something different. So, you know, you kind of get stuck on this is our red route, this blue route. Can't imagine not having a red and a blue route. But there very well could be something that would work a lot better out there. Um, I think looking into the future, what are the trends, what makes sense, especially – some things get really popular in public transit and then federal funding comes along, but it might not make sense for a community of our size. And, and, and so we're getting some perspectives on, on that as well. Another big one is just coordination between the three services. Can we function better as an overall system than we currently are? I think we do a pretty good job. We're not currently in a period of, of transit ridership growth in this community. Uh, we've gone through in Iowa City and Corville some really significant construction projects that dramatically impacted um, transit usage. And, and so I think we're kind of in a recovery mode, getting people back on the buses. The other thing is the modes of transportation in this community are, are expanding and changing. You definitely notice that on the University of Iowa campus. We got, what, two or three people that sell mopeds or rent mopeds. It's kind of like moped campus. Um, uh, Uber is really big in this community. We've noticed uh, a lot of use by Uber. And it doesn't mean we're going we're, we're to resist that or, or fight that. It's like, how do we incorporate all these modes and, and people's choices and, and what kind of transportation they want to use? What is the best way to move forward, encompassing all the various modes of transportation that, that go on in this community? Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brian. Kelly, do you have anything to add? Yes, this is like the most exciting time of my life to <laughs> have this happen. I, I, like Brian, I just want to thank Darian and the city of Iowa City for creating such an important message that you're sending out by even going this deep dive into the system. I think the most exciting part for me is the public participation. Anybody that's ever thought about riding the bus or is interested in riding the bus needs to come to the table and talk about what works for them and what they're open to. This is going to help you know, some of those different groups like the Epilepsy Support Foundation for individuals that can't drive. It's just going to be a really great opportunity to get all of the, the right people from the entire community in the same place at the same time. If anybody's listening, stay tuned for a way to get involved because this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity as I see it. I wasn't around in the 70s, so the fact that it's taken 50 years means I may not be around if this ever happens again. So the time is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as you mentioned, um, please look for more information. Iowa City and the other agencies will be sharing information via press releases and by other means, so stay tuned. To end this podcast, I wanted to ask each panelist to tell us what their favorite part is about transit. Kelly, we'll start with you. Okay, I will gladly start with that. And I think my favorite part about public transit is to safely sit back and relax and get to where I need to go. I'm a victim of a couple of car accidents, and that's not something you typically have to worry about as frequently as you would when you're driving your own personal vehicle. And then as Darian mentioned earlier, I like the ability that I get to walk to the bus stop and then get on the bus, take a little break, and then walk again to get to where I'm needing to go. So, Brian? I guess number one, the reason what I like about public transit is it's just satisfying work. There's a lot of frustrations associated with it because it's very service-intensive. 
but it just feels very worthwhile. It's a very worthwhile public service. So it's satisfying that you're doing something that you make changes, you do this, you see people using the service, you see it you know, affecting people's lives. And so there's just satisfaction that, that it's, it's something worthwhile. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would just have to mention about my particular job at Canvas, Canvas is student-operated, about 160, 70 students operate the service. But it's a joy working with these, these college students and, and it, working with the university. It's just a, a great environment to be around, and that's why I just stayed here so long. So I, I just really enjoy my job at the university and in, in the university students and working as a group to really provide a worthwhile service. Mm-hmm. Darian? Well, I would say that the thing that I love most about transit is that it gives you a sense of freedom or independence from a personal automobile. I think it's a real alternative. You know, we live in a fairly car-dominated society, and we have basically post-World War II and since the advent of the interstate highway system, and our cities have really been designed around personal automobiles. But it's really nice to have an option in our community that doesn't involve having to own a car, Mm -hmm. whether you can't afford it, it's not in your budget, or you don't want to own a car. Transit provides a real option, and it gives you an ability to move around the community as if you had it a personal automobile. You can get where you need to go using transit. So I like that there is that option. Mm-hmm. So thank you all for being here with us today and sharing all this information with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Emily. We hope this conversation has been beneficial for you. And if you haven't already, we encourage you to give public transit a try. You can find more information about fares, bus routes, trip planning, and other rider information on each transit agency's website, which are listed in the podcast description. We'd love for you to listen to our past podcasts, as well as future episodes. You can find Iowa City Matters where you listen to podcasts, such as iTunes or SoundCloud. Please seek us out and subscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a review. You can also find each episode on the city's website at icgov.org slash Iowa City Matters. And we'll be back soon with another episode.